What's up, everybody? How's everybody doing? Everybody's good? I got, um, I got something really exciting. Uh, I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, so that was my first joke of the morning. But it, <laughs> is that good? Is that good? It's, it's real, by the way. I really am a Bills fan. Uh, no, listen, we're really excited about pictures with Santa today. And go ahead. It's a good time to clap. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so as a result of pictures with Santa, we decided that the men always get left out, don't we? Right? The guys always, don't y'all feel kind of left out? Because we do stuff for women. We do stuff. So guys, today, because of our heart for you, we are offering free prostate exams. <laughs> and if you don't know what that means, you ask your mom when you get home or your dad and they can explain it to you. Because that's funny. I promise. That's good. That's being used in the sermon today. And that was free. And that's funny. And I told Dr. John he would like that, and so now, now that's good. All right, so, so uh, we're starting, that's right, if you're 40, you need to get one, so, but not with that, because that would be awful, all right? So, anyway, whew, that's another message. All right, so um, today we're starting Where's the Peace, and this is what comes to my mind uh, with Where's the Peace is like, uh, I, maybe y'all don't feel this way, but when it comes to the Christmas season, uh, peace is not how I would define it, right? It's peace on earth, goodwill to men, like that. But that's not it. It's awful. And, and the reason that it's awful for a lot of people, and I love Christmas, so this is not, I'm not saying Christmas is awful. I'm saying like the, as far as being, because it's, we're going nuts, right? We have so many things to do. I've talked to many of y'all this week just in conversations, whether it was over social media or whatever, and y'all's lives are crazy, and my life is crazy! Right? I mean, we're going everywhere. And it seems like it puts tension on relationships. And I don't mean just husband and wife or boyfriend and girlfriend. I mean all relationships. It seems like that puts tension on relationships as much as anything. So from professionalcounselors.com, I got 10 things that put the most strain on relationships during Christmas. Because did you know, before I read this, did you know that more divorces and separations and end of friendships, by a big margin, did you know it happens during the Christmas season? And this is why I think it happens. This is why I think we struggle so bad during Christmas. Because number one, you have the pressure of time. You have the pressure of time. I was, I was looking at my calendar last night and on Monday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, hide your kids, I got stuff. It's crazy, right? Does anybody else feel this way? Like, I got 14 parties before Christmas. Does anybody else have a bunch of stuff going on, or y'all just kind of, y'all just get to chill before Christmas? Because if y'all get to chill, by the way, y'all going to have to talk to me, because I told y'all last week, when y'all don't talk to me and I'm asking you to talk, I feel like my fly's undone and it feels awkward. So I need y'all, when I, when I, I need, right, if y'all have ever had your fly undone and no one told you, you get home and say, come on, and no one told me. So that's kind of how it feels like. So I need y'all, it's a good time, y'all can talk back and feel kind of Pentecostal, and we can all be Baptist together, all right? So does anyone else have the pressure of time in their life? Hallelujah. All right. Uh, managing your finances. I should have done the sermon series on money this month, shouldn't I? Right? Because you have to buy a gift for your brothers or sisters or your wife or husband or boyfriend or girlfriend, your mom and dad. And then everybody's cousins, uncles, cousins, cousins, sisters, brother. Right? We got this in this family this year in our name draw. You draw names with people you never even met before. Right? <laughs> It's a $25 gift. It's no big deal. Well, it's $25 gift times 10 other people times plus my kids plus all my other stuff. And this is uh, mm, managing your finances. How many of y'all have little girls? Y'all have little girls, right? What is the deal? 
American Girl dolls. It's a doll. This 18 inches tall, and it's $120. And then Santa Claus gets the credit. And listen, I love Santa, and we're going to take pictures with him today, and it's awesome. But that's not fair. I worked hard for that $120. And your shoes cost 50 and my shoes cost 50 and that's a doll. But anyway, like, it's good. I'm excited about it, right? But we have to manage our finances because we have so many other things to work on. And then you got to pay for the party. So I'm not only managing my finances to pay for all of y'all's gifts and everybody else's gifts, but then I got to buy the daggum party. You say, well, I got invited to six, and if I'm a good neighbor, right, I've got to throw one too or I'm not keeping up with the Joneses. No! <laughs> or, y'all know, you go to 14 parties and you got to bring something to every one, right? That's not in the budget. <laughs> At the Pangle household, that's not in the budget. That might be in your budget. That's not in our budget. And it's stressful. Whew. Right? Do I need to read these? You know what I'm saying? Staying with family or family staying with you, could Lord have mercy, right? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, did y'all, have y'all seen the Griswolds? Have y'all seen it? Like some of them, only y'all have that uncle. You know what I mean? You got that uncle that you're like, if this dude, Leah's side of the family, I'm not, this is, Lord, forgive me because I, you just convicted my heart about this. So I'm confessing sin in front of everybody. They had an uncle. By the grace of God, this uncle is no longer in the family. He's still alive, so I'm not talking down on him. But this dude, he'd argue with you if you said the sky was blue. You know what I mean? Like, we had a conversation one time about lake effect snow. He said it did not exist. This is where my father grew up. I don't know if y'all have heard of what happened in this town, right? Eight feet of snow. But there's no such thing as lake effect snow. And the whole time I was thinking of Uncle something, I'm not going to say his name. You know? Because you all have that uncle. Why is it? Oh, can't he go somewhere else this Christmas? Thank you, Jesus. All right, so anyway, y'all, don't repeat that. Don't repeat that. All right, that's on the internet forever. But anyway, number six, number six. Y'all know what I mean, too. Y'all do, because you got that family member, members, all of them. All right, spending time with children who aren't yours, someone say thank you, Jesus, right now. Huh? Because your kid wants a party, or they want to go to someone's party, or they want to bring a neighbor over, or they want to do something. And I'm just telling you, if you don't want to get rid of your kids during Christmas, you're a better parent than me. Huh? <laughs> that was better than that laugh that I got because y'all know good and well, so far y'all have already thought about shipping them off because my kid tried to climb the Christmas tree yesterday. Y'all might not have my kid, but I'm not. Let me, listen, some of y'all are thinking, that's funny. He's joking. Nope. Like I told Leah this year, we just need to put Christmas trees up on the table and get smaller trees, this table, and then staple the table to the ground because he's trying to climb the Christmas tree. So if you bring another hasten over with my hasten, I'm shipping them both off and I'm not worried about y'all, right? It's hard. And then spending time with children who cannot behave, and that's hasten. So I've got this covered for y'all. I've already done that. And this is free information from Pastor Mark Counseling, not from this website. Y'all need to decide right now whose house you're going to for Christmas and then not even apologize. Okay? This is free. Tell them if you don't want to see us, don't see us on the 23rd, 24th, whenever. And we got to do our thing because this is what I hear. 
Praise God, we've never done this. We go to Leah's parents on Christmas Day. We do my parents on Christmas Eve. We've always done that. And some people think, that is crazy that you don't see your parents on Christmas. <laughs> right? <laughs> Let me tell you all something. Y'all is crazy who goes to Meemaw's and then Hee Haw's and then Chow Chow and then Paw Paw. And y'all have, been, y'all have taken y'all's kids to 14 places during the day. And if y'all do that, I love you. And I'm not mad at you, but y'all are crazy. <laughs> right? Stop the madness. There cannot be peace if you go to 14 houses on Christmas. Can I just be honest with you? I'll be the bad guy. That's not fun. So if you ask your kid to do that, stop. It's awful. That was free. That has nothing to do with me, but you're welcome. All right, and then then I know this is serious, right? Some of y'all are divorced and have uh, kids in your marriage that aren't yours, and it's at least half of our church, just so we know that we're on the same page. And that's got to be hard. Waking up on Christmas morning and you don't have your babies, it's got to be hard. And then to top it off, let's be honest, right? We can take the gloves off and we can be real. The way that we medicate ourselves is with alcohol, right? We make ourselves feel better with alcohol. And it tends to be, and I think he put the last one as number 10 because that tends to be what makes us feel better about one through nine. And guys, I'm telling you, I've told y'all before, I do not believe it's a sin to drink. But I believe this is a sin because if you're adding alcohol to an equation that is already detrimental to your health, you will drink yourself to death. I have never seen alcohol get added to a situation that ever helped. So that's my opinion. I don't think it's a sin. But I've never seen it improve it. And so that's just free. That wasn't anything to do with the message. But here's the deal, guys. Because life is like this, this is how I tend to be. And I don't know if you feel this way, but this is how I tend to be. I tend to be over-the-top critical of people around me and hateful. And I tend to be like... I call it the TMZ Christian or the E-Entertainment Christian where I look around and I see people doing something wrong. And this is the point of this finger. And I say, ooh, I got you. Ooh, I caught them, right? I tend to, when I'm at these Christmas parties in this season of the year more than any other time, my attitude tends to be, and I'm telling you all, the Holy Spirit of God gripped me and crippled me and you can talk to any of our staff members and they will tell you for two hours we talked about it on Wednesday my spirit has been broken this week in this area and it is very similar to last week but it is much deeper my heart dishonors people so much and I pass it off as prayer requests because I say I'm struggling in my heart but listen to what they're doing right are y'all with me this is a good time to say yes sir yep And I'm a heart of an, I have the heart of an accuser. I have the heart of someone that sees someone that is lying wounded and enjoys the wounded and points at them and says, I caught you. Galatians chapter 6 gives us a beautiful picture of what I believe Jesus' plan for the church is. And listen to me carefully. How I believe you can take the tension and the lack of peace in Christmas and completely put it down. And this is what Paul said in Galatians 6. He said, brothers, if anyone is caught, can you say that with me? Say caught. If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, that's every person that calls yourself a follower of Jesus, by the way. So if you're not a Christian man, we are honored that you're here. But for every one of you that you say, I'm in Christ Jesus, that's me. If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are in Christ, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Restore. Bring back to the fold. 
love on. Keep watch on yourself lest you be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. This word bear one another's burdens means to pick up and carry. To carry one another's burdens when they cannot carry their own. To lift them off of where they are. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so here's, here's the deal. And this is what I really believe Jesus said. We have two choices and that is it. When it comes to people falling into big dark sins or even, let's be honest, Getting the wrong haircut. You know what I mean? Some of y'all do know what I mean because y'all have seen the wrong haircut, right? So it, anything. Like, here's how the Holy Spirit's convicted me. There's people in my life who they're hard to deal with because they, they put pressure on me from the outside. And it's a lot of time trying to manage them when I wish they would manage them because they are in my position or in a position similar to mine. And I spend a lot of time with pastors and with pastor friends, and I'm like, guys, you do you. And I end up with a bad-hearted spirit telling them my staff bad about them rather than love on them and keep it to me and try to carry their burdens, right? And this is how I am. I caught you. Can you believe they've done this? Listen to what so-and-so told me. Listen to what they've said. Listen to what they've said. This isn't even horrible things. And we pass it off as prayer requests, but I caught them. Rather than being a hospital that I said that I would be, that I put a sign on the wall with our staff and our leadership and said, we're going to be a hospital for the sick. But rather than do that, I've pointed at them and said, no, they're sick, but they're not in this church. I caught them. We have two choices, guys. It's either I caught you or I caught you. Because that's what the word carry your burdens means. You are defined. Listen, you are defined by I caught you or I caught you. I caught you. Or I caught you. Some of y'all have seen the pictures of um, when I go to the beach, because it's the only time I ever do it. I, wink. Like, uh, but when I go to the beach, and some people that are sitting in here right now that I'm not talking bad about because they're awesome, go to the beach with me, and I freak them out when I throw my kids in the air. How many of y'all have seen the pictures of when I throw my kids in the air? Like over half of you? Okay. These pictures that I'm about to show you, that's weak. I'm going to be honest with y'all. Like, Hayson's only about 10 feet off the ground right there. Laney's probably 12-ish. I got a picture at Dominican this summer where I think Hayson's about 15. But I had this picture of them together, and I wanted you to see it. And Hayson's got perfect form, doesn't he? If he wasn't going to be 6'5", he'd be an awesome gymnast. But whatever. He's ready. Like, and if y'all ever see him, I fly, Daddy, let's go. I fly in today. Like, he just gets mad he's ready to go, right? So, I mean, being a loving father, I think it's my duty and responsibility to throw my kid in the air 15 feet and let him fly. But it freaks people out, and they're like, no, 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 no. You're going to drop him. You're going to drop him. And I'm like, come on, bro. Have you seen these hands? Right? This is God-given athleticism in hands. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not dropping my kid. And I'm joking sort of about the God-given athleticism. <laughs> but... <laughs> But I'm not going to drop my kids. Why? Because that's my kids. And I'm, in fairness, if they fail, they got swimmies on and they're going to fall in the water. So they're good, right? But, <laughs> but I'm not going to drop them because, because I love them and I'm, and I'm throwing them up and they love it. But I have every intention to catch them. Now, in, in, in human error, in human error, I obviously could drop my kids. And it freaks people out. Like, there's videos out there. I'm sure people have put me on YouTube and I've never found it. Like, it's crazy because they really go high and like, it's, I think it's fun. It's awesome, right? But what about, because this is what I thought last night, right? What about when my kid's 16 years old, okay? And we've taught 
her, Lainey, and dads, let's just be real, we have a different heart for our daughters than we do our sons. It doesn't mean we love them differently, but I need y'all to say amen, because that's the truth, isn't it? When it comes to their sexuality, you are lying in front of God and me if you say that you feel the same way about your daughter that you do your son. It does something to you, like it just messes us up. And I'm teaching them abstinence when they get older. Stay with me. And she comes in to me at 16 and she says, Daddy, I have to be honest with you, I'm pregnant. I'm the pastor's daughter. I'm a public daughter. You know, when she was two, I caught her. But when she's 16, I will catch her. It better not be that. Because the attitude of an accuser stands over my daughter with arrogance and pompous attitude says, I cannot believe what you've done. And I, my heart felt heavy. I'm being real with y'all. My heart felt heavy last night when I thought about it because I thought, God help us. I do not want that to happen. But I also have to decide if I love my daughter because of what she does or I love my daughter because of who she is. Does that mean that I want her to do it? No! Does that mean that I won't shoot the dude? No! Yes! Right? Just kidding. It means I'll think about shooting the dude, right? But it doesn't change my relationship with her. And while my heart would be broken, I have a responsibility in my home to decide if I will catch my kids and my wife and my people or if I will catch my family and my people. This, uh, this week I got to hang out at a church and they've been through a very difficult season as a church uh, a, a while back, about a year ago. Um, and I find it fascinating how the family has been restored together. And I've learned so much from the pastor that um, I'm learning from. It's a large church not too far from here. His attitude is one of an advocate even though his wife does not deserve it. And I absolutely think it is fascinating and wonderful in, in the heart of Jesus Christ. And there was a story in John chapter 8 that is very similar to what I'm talking about. And here's what happened. Y'all with me? I caught you or I caught you. John chapter 8, starting in verse 1. Let me give you some background. Jesus has been teaching. He's going place to place. He's doing miracle after miracle. He's fed the 5,000. He's walked on water. He's done all these things. And then at the end of chapter 6, at the end of chapter 6, many people left Jesus because the teaching were, was hard. And they didn't know if they wanted to believe it, and it was difficult. And then at the end of chapter 7, he stands on a box in the middle of a city, and he says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, because out of me flows the living water. I am Christ. I am the Son of God. And don't you know that that infuriated the people that were religious? I told the first service, I believe that we should change the name of this area from the Bible belt to the religion belt, or to the religious belt. Because much like this story in John chapter 8, we stand over people in our arrogance as accusers with rocks in our hands, and we look down on the people that are not like us, or let's be real, sin differently than us, more out loud than we do. And this is what happened in John chapter 8, verse 1. It says, but early, excuse me, but, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. So I want you to picture this room. It's a much bigger place. The temple is humongous. It's a mile long and about a quarter mile wide. 
and it's this big open place where lots of stuff was happening. And then on the western wall stood out the most holy place, the place to come and worship that only the high priest could enter. But right outside of that is where this would have taken place. And so as Jesus was standing on the Mount of Olives, he would have walked straight down the Mount of Olives and gone in the south gate and then gone to this place where he came in the temple. And the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious people of the day, the high religious people that stood up and knew that they were right because of what they did, the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been, y'all say it, caught. Brought a woman who had been caught. I caught her. I caught you. Caught in adultery and placing her in the midst. That means that she was put right in the middle of all of us, right? Right in the dead middle, placed her in the midst. And, and then this is what happened. They, they put her at the feet of Jesus, but here's how they did it in verse 4. It says, they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the very act of adultery. Like, she was in it. So, this leads you to believe that she was probably naked. They may have covered her up. But she was naked and, and nasty. And, and, and she was, can you imagine the embarrassment of this woman as she was being drugged out of her home in the old city of Jerusalem and brought into the temple of God, naked and afraid and feeling completely shamed, feeling hopeless and alone and cold and dark, with all of these religious people standing around with their arrogance, looking down at her, we caught her. And then this is what they said with their attitude. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone her. And can't you picture them holding up stones? All the religious people holding their stones, looking over this woman. Yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. So what do you say, Jesus? Why don't you, with all your great teaching, tell us what we should do? Because we caught you. And do you want me to tell you what was really happening? They caught her, but they were looking at Jesus saying, we caught you now. You will either stand condemned because you were stoned someone and lived the opposite life that you have taught us. Do not kill. Or you will let off a sinner that deserves to be stoned. Which one will you do? We've got you now. I got you. I caught her and I got you. And we stand in our arrogance. Isn't that so much like us? We stand in our arrogance standing over people that have screwed up. <laughs> Can you believe what this person did? Listen to what this person said. Hey. And they said it to test him. That they might have a charge to bring against him. And Jesus bent down. With a big Jesus finger. And he began to write in the sand. Is what John 8 verse 7 says. With his finger on the ground. Sorry, verse 6. Can you imagine what that may have been? I've always been curious what he may have written. Was it their sin? Was it the Ten Commandments? I've heard people say that. I don't care. I don't know what it was. But all I know is that at just the right time when I was hopeless and lost, Christ came not, not just to be born of a virgin like we're going to talk about in the next couple weeks for the Christmas story. That's awesome. But he came from heaven to earth. He came as God of the universe standing over us in the most humble way possible to be your advocate, to stand beside you when you are guilty and naked and alone and afraid and wrote down in the sand, not your sin, but his great love for you. 
He put down his rock that he should have had. If God was truly just, he would have killed all of us and wiped us off the planet like God did to the people before Noah saved them. And that's what should have happened to us because we were guilty. We're all guilty. But instead, God knelt down and came down from heaven to earth and came down from the mountain to his people, came off the cross and rose from the dead every single time showing us the humility in the heart of an advocate. And yet we, his people, stand as accusers with rocks in our hands saying, I caught you, I caught you, I caught you. And we wonder why if we feel so much tension during the Christmas season, it's because our hearts are so far from God. We're just like TMZ, y'all know what I mean? They wanna find something on Justin Bieber worse than they can find anything in this world. And we laugh and we say, look at Biebs, he's an idiot. No, he's just like me. Why don't we care about these people? Why do we hate these people? We spend millions of dollars to send millions of people out to find what they did wrong so we can show them, I caught you. Is this Jesus that we serve big enough to rescue anyone out there? Or are there some people that we look at and say, no, I'm gonna catch them. I'm going to put what they did wrong on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever social media thing we use. I'm going to show you a picture of what they screwed, who they screwed and where they've been. I'm going to show you all the things, but they don't deserve the honor that we have. I'm better than them. I'm better. You wouldn't believe what they said. I'm better than them. What if the God of the universe thought he was better than us? None of us would have hope. The reason that I have peace is because the God of this planet looked down on me and said, you know what, my hand is way bigger than this because the Bible says that in the palm of his hand, he holds the universe. And that mighty God that we serve took off his accusatory glove that he's never even had because he is love. It's his intrinsic spirit. It's who he is naturally. And he said, I got you. And this is what happens. And this is the best part. And as they continued to ask, he stood up, that advocate for the filthy, rotten, dirty sinner stood up and said, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus, listen, this is so cool. Jesus was left alone with this naked, cold, filthy adulterer. She was caught. She, was, she deserved everything she was going to get. And that is not what our Savior does. He does not look at you and say, I hate you. And like some fathers have done to their daughters, how dare you? I caught you. I caught you. Now here's the deal. Jesus didn't look at her and say, I love you. You go do whatever you want to do the rest of your life and live like a hell. I don't care what you do. He said, I got you. And this is what he said. Look, this is so cool. This is the heart of our Savior. Jesus stood up and said to her, I'm sorry, Zach, I didn't read the last part of verse 9. He said, but when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones and the young ones, and he was standing before them. 
alone. And then this is what Jesus said. He stood up and said to her, hey, dirty, filthy, gross woman. He didn't say that, did he? He said, woman, where are all those men that drug you in by your hair and you were screaming and they were clawing you and you were doing whatever you could to cover yourselves up because you were so embarrassed and so ashamed? Where are all of they that accused you? Where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord, no one. Where is everybody? Where are all my accusers? I'm guilty. Jesus stands before us after he's knelt down with us when we are in our worst filth we can imagine. He picks us up and says, I've got you. I caught 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 you. Carry one another's burdens. Pick them up and carry one another's burdens rather than point down at them and tell them how nasty they are. The attitude of an advocate is one that picks up and says, I caught you. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go. And from now on, what does it say? Sin no more. See, Jesus didn't say, here's a get out of hell free card. You just do whatever you want and live like hell the rest of your life. He said, I do not condemn you. I do not hold your sins against you. No matter what you've done in your past, you will never see Jesus Christ pointing at you like this. You'll always see him standing before you, ready to catch you if you'll just fall and say, I can't do this thing. That's faith, guys. My kids have so much faith in their daddy because they will let me throw them 15 feet in the air and catch them. Every single one of you guys will leave with this attitude. I caught you or I caught you. Will you put on your massive finger that's pointing at people and say, I caught you. I feel terrible about my life this Christmas season. I can't stand all the stuff that I've got. I've got pressure, 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 pressure. So to deal with it, I'm going to make myself feel better by being the accuser, by standing in my arrogance in the religion belt saying, can you believe that group of people? Can you believe that individual person? Can you believe that guy got divorced for the third time? Can you believe that woman left her husband? Can you believe that man Can I tell you what I believe? I believe the God that we serve is big enough for all of those things. I believe the God that we serve is much bigger than we will ever imagine or give him credit for. And I believe if we want this house to be the house that serves how Jesus would have us serve, it is time to throw down our pointer fingers and pick up the rocks and chunk them to the ground and say, no more. We will be the advocate much like our Savior and we will walk as Jesus walked, we will not catch you. But we will be the greatest army in the world that just like the American army goes in and if there's someone wounded, they don't say, oh, it'll be all right. They pick them up and they run them out. That's got to be us. Stop shooting our wounded. God, help us. Starting with me, God, help us. I want every single person to look right here and I want you to know something. Some of you this morning, let's be real, okay? Some of you are that woman. Some of you are that woman. Some of you came in here and you feel ashamed and cold and alone. And I'm telling you, this is not what we are doing today. This is not what we are doing today with our rocks about to throw it at your head. We are asking you to jump and this house wants to help catch you. But ultimately, 
ultimately the only way that you can find peace this Christmas season. Listen, the only way you can find peace this Christmas season is not that next high, is not that next bottle, is not that next man who makes you feel warm because he shows you attention. It's Jesus. Let him catch you. Let him catch you. Some of you have played games and then you walk out of here and you live a lifestyle that is so far from God. Jesus said, I don't condemn you. But what else did he say? Go and sin no more. Guys, we don't condemn you. We love you. But we ask you to jump and let Jesus catch you today. And all that means is I trust you, Lord Jesus, as my Savior. I believe you died on the cross. Today, I will do what he said and stand up and live a life away from sin. And this is your opportunity. We want you to just have an opportunity to say, I am that woman, I am that man, and I want Jesus to save me right now. Will you bow with me? Will you bow with me? Pastor Mark, that's me, man. I'm just being real. Wherever you are in this room, I believe the Holy Spirit's moving in hearts. Wherever you are in this room, I just want you to throw your hand up as high as you can and say, dude, that's me, I am desperate. I need Jesus. I need Jesus to save me. I need Jesus to change me. I need to be saved right now. I need to be caught by the Holy Spirit. Pastor Mark, that's me. I just want you to slip your hand up as high as you can. Don't be embarrassed. Dude, if you really want to be caught, ma'am, if you really want to be caught, you will throw your hand up and say, dude, that's me. I need it right now. I need to be caught right here. We're going to give you a few seconds. I just want you to slip your hand up as high as you can and say, dude, that's me. The Holy Spirit, catch me, catch me. I need to be saved. I believe that the vast majority of people in this room are Christians. And so here's the question. Here's the question. Being real. Pastor Mark, I am saved. But the truth is I've had rocks in my hands. And y'all can look at me. I've had this massive finger on my hand where every time I get a chance, I point and say, I caught you. I caught you. And for us to make a difference in the kingdom and to have peace in our lives, we got to throw it down. We got to throw the rocks down. And we got to carry each other's burden as best as we can. We got to look at people that are not as good as us or not as smart as us or don't look like us and say, no matter what, I'm putting your needs above my needs and I love you and I'll catch you. I'll catch you. Pastor Mark, in front of everybody, by the way, we're all looking. The truth is, and I'll be the first one to raise my hand. That's what I need to be. That's what I need to be. I need to change and I need the Holy Spirit to do a work in my life. As for me to be what I need to be, that has to be how I change. If that's you, I'm the first one. I'm telling you, God has gripped my heart this week. I just want you to raise your hand and say, I want you guys to look around and see that it's almost all of us. Almost every one of us. Guys, will you stand with me? We're going we're gonna to sing Making All Things New. And I absolutely love this song. Here's the thing that you need to know. He's going to catch you, and he's going to walk out with you, but go and live a life free from sin. He will make all things new. Take this off. Take this off.